It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. It's Week 10, Saints fans. Inside Black and Gold, Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak gearing you up for Saints at Pittsburgh Steelers. A battle of black and yellow versus black and gold. We'll be talking with Odyssey podcast host Colin Dunlap of fourth down in the Steel City. And Jeff, we had a lot of news to get to actually heading into this game. There's some injury status and a return of a player, which is a big positive. Yeah, we're going to get into a lot today. So we're going to talk to, obviously, Colin Dunlap in the final segment. He's going to break down a lot of what we're going to see in the Steelers matchup this this Sunday we're going to kind of go through some news and notes. We talked to Pete Carmichael and Chris Richard today, and I thought they had a, a few comments that are definitely worth diving into. I do want to talk about DeMario as a pass rusher because I, I think he had some interesting things today in that front. Um, but then the biggest news, Trevor Penning, rookie, haven't seen him on the field yet this season. He has been designated to return from injured reserve. We actually caught up with him in the locker room today, so we're going to play that interview or at least you know a slightly abridged version of that interview in the second segment so you're going to hear a lot of what he had to say on the injury and kind of the work he's had to do to come back and all that but yeah as you mentioned there are a few transactions that we want to get to first so the saints have signed fullback adam prentice and linebacker nephi sewell from the practice squad to the active roster so that's probably not a great sign for pete warner's availability yeah. Um, and it means that we're probably going to see Caden Ellis starting at the Will linebacker spot, which would mean you're probably going to see Zach Bond at the Sam linebacker spot. So it's going to be some some interesting decisions to be made there. They also signed Derek Kelly, familiar name, and linebacker Kenny Young, another guy who was pre- here previously, to the practice squad in place of those two guys you elevated. And as we mentioned, they designated Trevor Penning to return from injured reserve. So you know, a lot of changes, and I think it's kind of foreshadowing some absences, right? They didn't practice on Wednesday, but had that estimated practice report that came out, but not seen it practice. Still Marshawn Lattimore, linebacker Pete Werner, uh, center Eric McCoy. Surprising one. Also, Andrews Pete, who I said, yeah, had left the game late in the fourth quarter in that Baltimore game. He has a tricep issue, still no Mark Ingram. But a surprise today for me was seeing safety – Marcus may pop up with an abdomen injury. It's so funny how all of these injuries seem to like go in waves. Like it's all the same. It's either a toe or a rib or an abdomen or calf and ankle. Like there's no, there's there's always multiple versions of these injuries. I was going to say, you mentioned calf on a limited basis. That was Marcus Davenport who left last game as well. He's dealing with the calf issue, still limited. Also Jarvis Landry ankle, uh, Cam Jordan and Ryan Ramchuk just getting a Veterans Day rest. Knock on wood. Thank you. Yeah, and, and Ryan also is listed with a knee injury, and I think it's just maintenance more than anything else. Right, exactly. Um, he's a veteran player. But, yeah, I mean, so the the thing to keep in mind going into this matchup is the Saints are going to be going into a game on six days rest. 
The Steelers are going into this game on 14 days rest. They are coming off of a bye, which like, come on, guys. Like, Thanks, NFL. They spend so much time putting these schedules together. They couldn't have found a way to make sure a team on a short week isn't facing a team coming off a bye. Like, I, I, I mean, come on. That and doesn't it's, make any it's sense. the absolute shortest of short weeks because the Saints played Monday night football. It wasn't even like they had a Sunday afternoon game. Well, it's not the shortest. Why? That's the shortest they could be playing. Week you could have. Oh, the no, shortest play. week you could have is if they you're play, playing they play someone Thursday? on Thursday night. <laughs> so it's close. The only thing they could have done to make this worse would be to have the Saints coming off Monday night football and then playing on Sunday and then playing on Thursday. <laughs> And then the Steelers hadn't played since like two weeks earlier. So technically, that could have been the worst. But yeah, no, I, I agree with yeah, you. It's, don't give the NFL any ideas, please. It's it's nonsense. Uh, like, it's it's like they didn't think about it. Because like, that should work into the equation. But, you know, like the Saints aren't going to use it as an excuse. But like, it's a built-in excuse. Because it's like, that's stupid. Like... Right, These, you would think you would at least think Pittsburgh's traveling to New Orleans on this one. No. Oh, right, 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 and they're the home team. <laughs> yeah, like Jesus, come on. Uh, anyway, I don't yeah, think they just, did it intentionally. I just think they're inept. Probably, and it's and they, if, if they if they didn't if they were like just throwing the schedule together too, and it's like oh this kind of screws the Saints. It's like ah so what? It's New Orleans. Speaking of inept. No, that's that's rude. Um, but you know, one of the things that I really went in hard on was Taysom Hill's usage mm. in the game in week nine and really his lack of usage in in obvious situations where it would have made sense to use him. We talked to Pete Carmichael today, and I do feel bad for Pete because he went like 16 years without ever having to talk to the media. And then now he now has to every week. every week, and we just constantly ask him, like, why don't you use Taysom Hill more? Why don't you use Taysom Hill more? What if you used him more? Have you thought about using him more? And he's like, you know what? We're going to do it. We're going to try, blah, blah, blah. And what he did say that is actually fair is in this game, you only ran 49 plays. 20 of those plays were in like hurry up situations, right? So realistically speaking, there was 30 plays where you could have potentially worked him in. So like the opportunities were not ample, first off. Second off, that he still could have been used more and he, he conceded that. But one of the situations that I thought stood out was it was third and one. I think it was the second drive of the game. It was either the first drive or the second drive of the game. They ran a power set, and it was Alvin Kamara in there. So I asked him about like what went into that call, and here's what he had to say. Yeah, I think that you know as we went through the um, the game plan process and then put a um, you know our short yardage was together. We usually get together and say, hey, coming out of the gate, we let our players know, hey, this is going to be the first third and short call, and then um, you know that was our choice, and obviously. Um, you know, I wish I had picked something different. So I like that he, he admits he's like, yeah, it was bad. But so I think that's and this is what I thought was probably the case after the game. And I think that's what a lot of people tend to forget is early on in the game. You scripted a lot of these plays. Right. So it wasn't so much. OK, this is the situation. And we're saying, OK, Alvin, you go. This was a decision made prior to the game. So like he's not even calling that in the moment. It's just like this is the first third, third and short play we're running. And you go out there and you do it. Now, should that decision have been different prior to the game? Yeah, probably. I think in this case, when you have seen how successful Taysom has been in QB power, it should always be your third and short play. Like, I don't think there's anything stopping you from just saying, okay, third and short, we're doing it. Until a team like, consistently stops it, we're doing it. Because I don't think it's happened this year. I don't think he has been stopped on third and short 
any of the times you have run it. So why would you suddenly go away from it? And I think it was just game planning. You overthought it. The, the Ravens yeah. are a very athletic front seven. They're, they're, they're going to be hard to run against, period. You probably wanted to try to get away from their strength. And I think you just overthought it because I think your strength is good enough to win there. And But, but I, that is what it was. He wasn't standing on the sideline thinking, you know what? Screw Taysom. <laughs> like that was a decision that was made in the game planning process. So the original game plan, though, he was thinking, screw Taysom. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think in a room surrounded by coaches and you were like, you know what? They're not going to see this coming and we're going to do this. And then in reality, you get out there and you're like, man, if they're going to line up and do that, it should be Taysom. And so, like, I think they learned their lesson. But like that was it wasn't like he was standing over there looking at his play sheet and saying, no, we're going to run Alvin here instead of Taysom. Like, I think it's different when you're planning in advance. You're not taking into account game flow. You're not taking into account situation so much. It's like, okay, but I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, and I know obviously uh, Carmichael Jr. took a lot of the blame today saying that's on me to a lot of questions about how that offense was running that game. And obviously, yes, it is on him. You're the guy calling the plays and. To me, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just have had questions all year, except that game against was it Las Seattle Vegas. where Taysom went off? Oh, Seattle, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was the only game where it was like we finally saw Taysom unleashed and had a fantastic game, and then it was like a big old tease because we haven't really seen it again. Yeah, they just seem reluctant to overload him, and I would argue that there is a big gap from what we have seen to what would be reasonably as qualified as overloading him. So, yeah, I mean, I the thing is, like, I don't think that he, I don't think that Pete is oblivious to the fact that Taysom is not in, is in, in, as involved as he should be. I think that he is struggling to balance throughout a game what that should be. I think that's where he's having a hard time is like finding those moments throughout a game and jumping on them as they occur. Like you don't have 10 minutes to sit over there and be like, oh, what should we do now? You have 40 seconds. You got to get the play call in. You got to do fast. You got to change personnel. Things are working. There's a reason you script the plays in advance, right? Because there's a lot to weigh in that moment. I think that's where he's struggling. Not so much like understanding that it should be Taysom because running Taysom plays, it's not as simple as like, okay, the personnel on the field, we're going to do this, 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 and this. You have to change out personnel. You have to make sure the substitutions are right. You have to make sure everyone knows what they're doing. You know, and so I think that's the difficulty. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I'm definitely, like I said, just struggling. We know that it's Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave, Taysom Hill. Those are your three studs on offense. Get them the damn ball. Yeah, I think to some extent, facing Lamar Jackson will make any issues within a group just magnified. But it, are, do you still feel like there are things that were figured out in that shadow of the Raiders that maybe just were difficult to get to in that particular matchup? Yeah, different offense. There's no question about it, right? And so it's a run heavy, and not to mention they have the MVP of the league, right? And with the ball in his hands every single snap. And a, a big key to that game was getting them into third and longer and forcing them to essentially become one-dimensional. Um, and when we got them into those D&Ds, it's executing, executing properly. So we got them into those down and distances. We didn't execute properly. And you know, and, and, and he hit us. And then there are times to where, again, we execute properly on first and second down, then we're not allowing the third and one of twos to where, like, that's right in their wheelhouse. So, like, that's where they want to be, and we knew we needed to push them out of that D&D, &D, and we didn't hold up our end of the bargain. 
Pete Carmichael is so jealous of those dual defensive coordinators because Richard and Nielsen get to alternate every week, and Pete's just got to come out there every single week. Yeah, they only have to talk once every two weeks instead of once every one week. But yeah, that was Chris Bashar. And that was, I kind of asked him because I think to some extent, what we saw in week eight against the Raiders wasn't a mirage. I think this defense has kind of found its footing. And the matchup with Lamar Jackson is just everything the Saints don't do well in one game against one player who they just, we know they can't stop mobile quarterbacks. We know that. And he is like literally, as Cam Jordan would put it, in another bracket. So like they were always going to struggle in that matchup. And like they don't have to beat the Ravens to make the playoffs. They have to beat the Raiders and and the Steelers, you know, and the Falcons and the Panthers. They need to beat the teams that they're on par with. And I think they are below the Ravens. And so I think that, you know, this defense is ready to kind of improve. And that matchup was incredibly difficult for them and they did not handle it well. And so that's kind of what I asked Chris for short about. And that's kind of what he said. It was like, yeah, we're, you know, they have the MVP, like they have Lamar Jackson. They got the better of us. And he, I think he's right too. Like they did find themselves in the situations they wanted to be in. They got third and long. They just couldn't get off the field, you know? And so like I think a few plays go differently, and that's a different game. If if Andy Dalton hits Marquez Callaway in the end zone at the end of the first half, it's a different game. If you're able to tackle Lamar Jackson on second and 15 inside their own 20, rather than allowing him to escape and get to Mike Davis and make it third and eight and then converting that, it's a different game. You know, so you know, kind of like when Tennessee beat up on LSU and Brian Kelly came out and said, you know, I think that game was closer than it probably seemed. Yeah, I think this there's similar things going on here. So that's my way of saying, like, you're going up against Kenny Pickett this week. You're going up against a rookie who has not played well. I think this defense is going to show better. And it's really a question of can the backups perform? Because as we mentioned, you know, a guy like Nephi Sewell, a guy like Caden Ellis, Zach Bond, you're going to need these guys. Yeah, last game against Baltimore, I thought the defense did pretty well early on. And I just felt the fact that the offense couldn't stay on the field wore down the Saints defense so they were gassed by the third fourth quarter already and it, it was just a lack to me that that game was just offense Pete Carmichael Jr.'s play calling I'm going to go back to just killed me and I like I said I, I think the defense held their own early on it just really got away from them later in the game because they were just so worn down and the grinding Baltimore defense was just churning it out all over them yeah I, I agree with that somewhat but it wasn't just the offense like the defense also couldn't get off the field like it's not like they got the ball back to their offense in 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 good situations right like they allowed a 12 play drive for a touchdown when they had second and 15 deep in baltimore territory that's not a situation this is the second quarter this is a part of the game where even if you have been on the field the whole first half, you should not be getting worn down like that should be a third and fourth quarter problem it shouldn't have been 14-3 heading into halftime no, the Saints no. should have had more points on the board there. Oh, sure, sure. I'm just, I'm just not going to give the defense a pass and say the offense let them down because if you were going to allow a team to methodically march the ball down the field on you, oh, that's yeah. not about being tired. That's about you not getting off the field because you, again, like, like Chris said, you got them in third and medium and third and long, and you couldn't get them. You couldn't get them off the field. Like third and eight, that should be, you know, a punt. Third and eight from their own fifteen, that should be a punt. And it wasn't. And so, like, you know, those are situations where if this was anybody else, you know, if it wasn't Lamar, then you probably are off the field. 
right? And I think that's just where that one matchup, that impossible matchup that this team cannot handle really cost them. Because he was the difference between getting off the field and just making something happen. And, and, and I think this defense struggles with mobile quarterbacks and he just is everything that they struggle against in one person amplified to 11. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, a, I mean, another test this Sunday just because of the fact that it's not looking like Pete Werner's going to go. He's your leading tackler, uh, been having a great sophomore season, and still no Marshawn Lattimore in the mix. Luckily, this Steelers offense, though, is so inept. You look at what they've, they're like, I think, at the bottom of the NFL, uh, scoring 15 points a game. There might be somebody worse than them, but it's it's been bad. And, you know, there has, there has been guys that haven't lived up to their hype, like in running back Najee Harris, I know has, has been struggling all year. Yeah, we're going to talk about Najee and uh, some of these other guys with Colin Dunlap later on. There was one more guy I wanted to hit on before we there's one more guy I wanted to hit on before we move on and uh, it's Demario Davis because one thing that he said to me this week that that I thought was interesting is he cuz I asked him about he he set a career high in sacks through 9 games. He has 6 sacks. He's leading the team and what he said was like he's actually rushing the passer less this season than he has in years past. And I was like, wow, that's weird. Cause I would have assumed it was the opposite. I would have assumed that he was actually being more involved in the pass rush. And that's why he has the sacks, but it's, it's, he's right. And P, according to PFF, he has only had 40 pass rush snaps this season through nine games. So that's a little over four per game. If you go back each of the last three seasons, you're looking at like seven, eight, nine per game. So like he's just become a much more efficient pass rusher and I, I thought that was interesting. Well, we need it because the defensive ends that we're paying aren't doing the job. I do see uh, me positionally evolving to more of a pressure player. I think that that's something that I've continued to work at, better, being better at, you know, in my career. Though I've still been able to, you know, do high volume things as, as a run stopper and in coverage. Um, I just I just think that the greatest strength of my game is is in, is in pressure in the quarterback. This year I've had to be highly efficient in that in that arena because I haven't had as many pressures as I've had before. And so certainly, you know, having a career high with, with less pressures is, is is showing that the work that, that's been put in is working. My mindset is always just to help the team do do whatever I can to to help it get a win. Um but but definitely see, you know, pressuring the quarterback as probably one of my, my, my best assets. Two things. One, he's exactly right. He has been very good at pressuring the quarterback this year. Two, sounds very tired. <laughs> he's a tired sounding guy. Well, we kind of talked about this a little too before. It's He seems very down in general this year. Uh, there was, I thought, leading into that Raiders game, I saw more upbeat to Mario Davis that week, especially uh, there was that uh, basketball net in the locker room. And he was, you know, jostling around with the guys, having some fun. And it was like the first time all year I had seen Demario smiling. I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's a he's a leader in that group. And uh, I I think anytime you're three and six and you're a veteran player, uh, you're going to have a much harder time with it than, you know, the younger players in terms of like, you know, you're, you're, you don't have that much longer in the league. So it could be that. It could be something else. But either way, I think it is impressive to see a guy suddenly is thriving in one area of his game. And, you know, I asked Dennis Allen about it and he said, yeah, he's one of the better pressure linebackers in the NFL. 
So yeah, I mean, that's just something to keep an eye on because six sacks from the linebacker position, you know, that's, that's a lot, you know, a double digit sacks for a linebacker. You don't see that. I mean, at least inside linebacker, like obviously outside linebacker to three, four is different, but for an inside linebacker to get to double digit sacks in a season, you know, that's, that's impressive. So he, he deserves some credit there. For sure. Um, a minor sack note here. I know David Onyemata has been somebody that we've talked about not performing up to his standards. And at least the last two games, he's had a sack in each game. So David Onyemata, at least for getting the job done a little bit there. Yeah. See, I, I, I think that to, to a larger degree, like saying someone had a good game because they had a sack is like, it, it happens too much. I think we overvalue sacks from a defensive line perspective because Sure, you got through for one sack. What did you do the rest of the game? <laughs> like, right, I think Marcus right. Davenport has actually had a better season than, you know, a David Onyemata. But his the sack numbers aren't there, so everyone assumes, oh, he's playing terribly. But it's like, oh, he's got 20 pressures. He just hasn't taken down the quarterback, but he has forced incompletions, and he's ruined plays. But, like, okay, David Onyemata, he got a sack in that game because Cam Jordan was, like, playing, like, you know, fence of Lamar Jackson and like force him to sit in the backfield until DeMar- David could get there. Like, so it's not necessarily a David Onyemata play. I, I don't know. I think like sacks in general as a stat are overrated, but I think from the linebacker position, position where you're not typically going to be tackling the quarterback, to have those numbers means that you are, because he's making an impact in other places. He's making a bunch of tackles. He's playing coverage and he's also getting sacks. So I just, I don't know. Huh? The DNs agree with you because they're not getting sacks. This is true. <laughs> but all right, that's going to wrap it up for that segment on Inside Black and Gold. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to Trevor Penning, not live, but we did talk to Trevor Penning in the locker room today and we recorded it. We're going to play it for you. Stick around for that on Inside Black and Gold. 